ATL and let's talk about it now, saving our children. I am going to open this episode with a poem entitled, If Black Lives Matter. If black lives matter, there would be no need for unrest in the streets because the color of our skin would be accepted and our roots we could reach. If black lives matter, there would be no need to fear for my black son because he wouldn't be constantly stopped by police and feel he needs to run. If black lives matter, we would have been given what we are owed. We built this country on our backs and still go unnoticed. If black lives matter, we wouldn't be silenced. Our families, our children, our communities would be thriving. If black lives matter, I wouldn't fear for my black daughter to be sexually assaulted and never reported. If black lives matter, these tears wouldn't be coming down my face because I'm pouring out my soul and I know that you're not phased. And although you're not phased by the pain I display, by the pain in my eyes, by the pain in my face, I matter, my son matters, my daughter matters, my mother matters, my father matters, my sister matters, my brother matters, our children matters, our family matters, our community matters, our bloodline and legacies matter. We matter. So don't call us people of color and say you are our sisters and brothers, because if we really stood together, our real sisters and brothers wouldn't be running for cover. Ducking and hiding for simply complying. Hands up, don't shoot, black lives matter. Our blood wouldn't splatter. While we lay in the gravel, there's laughter. But we matter, and we do. But for some reason, we gotta prove that to you. By peace or by force, we really have no choice. As you listen to my voice, my people will dance and rejoice. Because they know we are a force, and we won't be moved by proving to you that black lives matter. All right. I'm going to welcome you all again to LTAIM. Let's talk about it now, saving our children. We are here today to have an open discussion on our black families and how we can fix them or save them from going in the direction that they are going in. And the lower income population, let me say that because not all black families are broken. But we do have a need for help in our lower income communities. I'm joined in the studio today by three black men and they are going to give their honest thoughts on what they think we can do to help our black families. These men are all fathers and all in the community. They all work with the youth, the youth in some form or another, and they all come from lower income families as well. Two are from DC, one from Annapolis. I'm gonna let them introduce themselves and tell them a little bit about who they are and what they do. We're gonna start with you, Coach Jeff. Um, I'm Coach Joe Snowden, uh, born and raised in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, I'm an artist, I'm a like to look at myself as a visionary. Um, also, uh, recently have accepted uh, the role as being somebody that uh, the youth could uh, talk to, invent to, and express uh, their concerns about life just because of the things that I've dealt with in my own life and upbringing. Um, I travel a lot. Uh, part of my part of my come come up as far as the music thing is, I consider myself as the guy who does 100 events a year. So that's uh, spoken word, that's things at schools due to the pandemic. It's been a lot of virtual uh, things that I've been being a part of. Uh, being in the community, uh, you know, all the book bag drives, the toy drives for the kids, throughout the holidays and uh, all the, everything that's surrounding that uh, type of stuff, just on the give back. Um, that's who I am in a short piece, I guess. <laughs> uh, Charles King, people know me as Booby. Uh, 
native Washingtonian, born and raised in the city, uh, returning citizen, owner of a nonprofit, owner of for profit, and I'm also a mentor uh, through DYRS. I'm a credible messenger. I work with youth on a day to day basis. Uh, I also do family engagement to a certain extent, dealing with the youth families as well, trying to get them resources to help the kids get uh, reestablished through my nonprofit. I do a lot of outreach work in the community, trying to provide resources for the community in any form or fashion that I'm able to. Uh, and uh, father, can't forget that, parent, parent also. Father to one, one child, but countless of others. Can't, can't, can't even count all the other kids now. Looked at as a father or, or a person that, that give guidance to others. Uh, for the most part, that's just a short description of who I am. You probably find out more than it would be. Jerome Nesbitt, uh, also a native Washingtonian. Uh, I work with. Uh, I'm actually the deputy director of a nonprofit. Uh, it works. We work mainly in uh, wards five, seven, and eight, which I consider the the lower income uh, population. And so uh, we do a lot of stuff around environmental issues, uh, basically going into the neighborhoods that no one wants to go into. Uh, we do garden work. We, keep, uh, we get the community more educated about uh, the foods they eat, uh, where their foods come from, being stewards in their community. Also run a uh, recording studio uh, where we always trying to uh, do stuff with the, with the youth. Uh, we know uh, music is a big outlet for our culture, so uh, understand that, trying to uh, just get uh, as many uh, young folks that come around or come who, who come through these doors uh, as much knowledge about uh, that industry as, as possible so they're not uh, getting jerked around or making bad decisions as far as it, in their careers. Uh, I'm also a father. Uh, of two, uh, so uh, community work is a uh, is not just a uh, important. I think is a uh, is a necessity, uh, especially uh, for my family. Uh, that was kind of like bread and me to uh, you know get back some form of fashion. Uh, I know we all we always like to use sports. You know when I you know I was a big uh, basketball player coming up, so. Uh, Using that influence uh, to drive things in a positive way, uh, that's kind of like been my a mission the last 10 years. Okay. So the question is, thank you guys for introducing yourselves um, and letting everybody know who you are. Um, later on at the end of the show, I'm definitely going to have y'all drop y'all information so people can follow y'all and what y'all do, so on and so forth. Um, but the question is, how can we fix the black family household? Can we all agree that somewhere we have lost our way? Do we all agree with that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree. Okay, so somewhere the family, the black family has been broken down and we need to rebuild it. So in your opinion, how can we fix it? Where do we start? What do we need? How can we get our people to believe in family, morals, values, and structure once again? Um, I would say it's starting with the father's family, the big wall, 
in, the, in my opinion. Just a uh, genius, though I grew up in um, a household where uh, my biological dad wasn't present. Um, like early. Uh, I knew who he was, but just him being active in my life, it, it, it wasn't a thing. So when I see my first murder at 10, like literally watching my brother's best friend die, um, shot and killed, from that point, like something just turned cold in me. I, I just still remember the day. So on that day, my mom had another experience that so her being a woman she couldn't she necessarily didn't have the words and everything to drive me to get back to being a child again so i think a lot of times and that's just one incident for me so i'm looking at it now as kids are experiencing these things all the time with this social media the internet i'm seeing different things that create like trauma um so I think the fathers played like such a major role because they, needing that male reinforcement, needing uh, to see somebody lead. I believe when they say, you know, it's, it should be God, father, mother, children. A lot of the at homes don't have fathers in it. So I think that's one of the major places that it starts. Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with with him, um, especially about the father aspect. But I think it's the mother aspect. I think it's a two-way street because we got single fathers too, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a single father, right? Uh, partially, by partially by choice and then but by force, later by force, right? But uh, I think that most definitely it has to be some type of foundation because your kids will mimic what they see and what, and what, and what they see is what, is what they will reproject, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you got a father, we have a father in the household, but if the father isn't no good, mm -hmm. then like, what do we produce, right? We produce another, let's just say your father a gangster. Do we produce another gangster? You feel what I'm saying? So, I mean, having the right people in the right places is the most imperative and important thing. You feel what I'm saying? Hopefully it would be the person that gave you life, but sometimes that might not be the person that can give you the guy and life that you need in order to be successful in life. It can come from a host of places. But I do agree with the with the father aspect as well as the mother, right? Because it has to be a balance. It's things I can't teach a young man that a woman can. It's things, things I can't teach a, a young lady that a woman can, right? It's called balance. The world in my eyes is built off of balance. Everything has a negative and a positive. It's an up and a down, right? So there's no way that you can just have one of, of, of anything and expect it to come out balance. It has to be a balance. Even if we don't have a relationship with the person that you reproduce with, I think that it should still be some type of balance and respect. I think one of the biggest problems that we're uh, facing right now is lack of respect. The minute that we don't agree with each other, it's an open door for disrespect, right? Just because I don't agree with you, that won't mean I have to be disrespectful. It's just that we just don't agree. This isn't working anymore. But that's a, that's one of the biggest problems I see is hindering uh, hindering hindering our community along with uh, social media. That's a drug, right? We all we all just agree to that. It's a drug that's bigger than any drug that's ever hit the world. 
right? Because people get on these platforms and now they have a voice. A lot of people never had a voice, now they got a voice. And you don't realize when you got a voice, somebody's listening. So people put things in, into the world that they don't even realize somebody's listening and taking that as a gospel. Yeah. So I think that, that, that we got to get uh, more control of what, what we put out for people to follow. You feel what I'm saying? Not just on this, but period. Because I believe that social media is a representation of who you are to a degree. When I walk out of my house, I represent my son. I represent myself. I represent everybody's affiliated with me. You feel what I'm saying? And even if we not affiliated every day, I will want when somebody say my name to you, that you say something positive Probably. about me mm -hmm. and vice versa. So that we're representation of each other. You feel what I'm saying? So I think that we got to get back to that too. Right now, it's more of an act. We, we so isolated. We so stuck in the, uh, the rut of selfishness that we don't even feel like, oh, I ain't got nothing to do with me. It do. Yeah. When somebody see a, 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 a black person acting a fool, and then you go somewhere, and that a person see you, guess what? The first thing they, they equate you to is that fool. So, like, we represent each other whether we like it or not. So I, I always try to be conscious of what I say when I'm saying it. Of course, I'm hood. I like to get around and kicking and talk trash and all that. But it's a place and a sign for everything. And I think that that's, that's something we got to really work on and get, you know, our foundation strong in the black community overall. I, I totally agree with everything Boogie just said. And, uh, and I, one of the things that I think we need to start looking at our community, like it's our culture. And I, I think, and this even goes back to like what we was talking before we even started. Like it goes back to the, the neighborhood thing. It's like, and so those things divide us. And so like I could be beefing with the dude across the street and not understanding like that's my brother for real, for real. Like we should be feeding into our people, not taking away. And so like like I think both of them spoke from like a like fathers. We all fathers here, we all parents. But like I think it's resources. Like our community needs resources. And we have to like and we need a community hand on where these resources are going. Not just some government figures telling us this is what we put money into, like and I go back to the ANC meetings. Yeah, and we gotta take a, we gotta we take gotta advantage take, of resources, right? There you go. Because we just were speaking on that. Yeah, how so resourceful like, this city is. And yeah. it's so much stuff that people don't take advantage of. It's so much stuff. It's, it's endless, right? Only thing they take advantage of is the common stuff. Food stamps. Yeah. Uh, let me get some snap. You feel what I'm saying? They take advantage of the common stuff that it's been passed, as I said, generation, generation passed down. Stuff, yeah. Girl or dude, you need to go get some food stamps for that baby or whatever, right? Yeah, that's the first thing and, they tell you. Yeah, whole time. It's so much other stuff. Like, how about telling a person, let's go, hey, you need to go sign up for that class. Because guess what? Now you're running the fish. They feed you when they give you that. So when they cut it off, what winds up happening is you go into a state of panic, right? And we start doing things out of a state of panic and out of a state of desperation that winds up putting us in a fervor hole at times, right? Which leads to other things such as self-medicating, mm -hmm. sometimes leads to incarceration and things of that nature. So, you know, I was always told, uh, I was told this when I was in prison, I had a guy do some legal work for me. You know, I'm gonna do your legal work. so. A couple weeks went past, I'm not my legal work yet. So, man, I ain't got, I'm gonna get to a dude type, and I walk past this room and see my stuff on his bed. Like, <laughs> I'm like, hold up, I'm trying to get the fuck out of jail, and you just got my shit sitting on your bed. So, 
He, I pushed up on him again and said, where my stuff at? He said, man, listen, just because it's important to you don't mean it ain't important to me. I wanted to hurt him, but I had to walk off and get myself together because I felt like, man, who the fuck you talking to, first of all? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he made a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and and that's what we lack, right? We get in our community, we get down to the base of something. They give us a 30-day notice, and I call city. Girl, I got 30 days. They're about to put me out. I need you to help me. You knew you was going to get a 30-day notice six months ago. Yeah. You ain't started working on that six months ago. Now you want Cindy to let you come stay in her basement. But so Cindy tell you, nah, because I got a bunch of boxes down there, y'all ain't be able to fit. Man, she don't fuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. And and and, and you know, lack of communication, lack of planning, and not really taking advantage of those resources. If I know I'm about to get put out and I know in six months it's looking shaky, I'm gonna try to find me some, either some type of employment yeah. where I can get me some finances going, where if I do gotta leave, I can at least support myself going somewhere else. Or whatever, but we don't think like that. We we always want the hookup. You feel what I'm saying? We want the hookup on all the wrong stuff. We're standing in line for jobs, but we won't stand in line for a job. Stand in line. Stand in line for the food stuff. Yeah, right down on A Street. Be right on A Street in line in the blistering cold, shaking to get two fifty a month. Not not for the week, a month, right? So I mean, so I can agree with y'all. And the aspect of one, we are definitely, as a single mother, I'm a single mother, I have two children, I have a, um, well, I, technically I have three, I have a 22-year-old, she's grown her own two, and I have a 17-year-old, and then I also have a five-year-old, so they're all spaced out, but um, had them in different stages of my life, and I was in different phases with all of them, I've always had the same foundation because the way I was raised. Even though my mom was a single mother, my father was in the picture. So I knew what needed to be done. And that's why I took to Janine the way I did, because I felt like I had something that she was missing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it just became, it was just natural. It wasn't nothing that I had to think about. It just happened. So I allowed it to be. And I was very young with her. And I learned things with her that I did not allow to happen with my son. Because with her, we were young, still on the streets, out here doing all types of wild stuff. But with my son, because of my body actually went through pregnancy and all of that, I went through postpartum. My son's father was in jail. My boyfriend at the time was in jail. I went through childbirth by myself. I went through the whole everything like by myself. My mom was there to help support me with my child, but I went through a lot and didn't even know what I was going through. And then the relationship I was in, he had so much stress bringing into the relationship as well. It's like, okay, now I can't see my way out. I started having panic attacks. Now I'm on all types of medication because I'm getting sick, don't know what's wrong. And all of my 20s, it was an experiment project with the doctors trying to figure out what's wrong. So I really feel like I missed a lot with my son because I was so busy trying to find myself. You know what I mean? So, I, And I ask him all the time, like, do you feel like... I'm a good mother. What can I do to be a better mother? You know, I, I do that all the time because I'm hard on myself. But with my daughter, I'm a lot different with her. And I explain to him all the time, if you, some of the things that I ask you to do with your sister, I ask you to do it because you should be doing it. Now, if you feel like it's something I didn't do with you, I want you to know that everything I did wasn't right. I was sick. You know what I mean? Like I went through something. 
I didn't have anybody to balance that off. His father came home, but he still wasn't fathery. You know, like, didn't teach him how to ride a bike. Uh -huh. As long as it was a dude in the picture, he would pick up the pieces and do what he want to do because he want to prove this other nigga ain't more of a man than him. But other than that, no. With my daughter, same incident. Me and that guy, we kind of started dealing with each other. I just ended up getting pregnant. We was going to have a baby. I decided the relationship wasn't working. He decided he didn't want to be a father. So again, I went through pregnancy and childbirth and stuff alone. But this time, I recognized the signs of depression. I didn't go that way. It made me stronger versus weakening. So I do feel like the respect part is, is, is missing only because, like you said, once you break up and that disrespect is there, like it, it's, it's a lack of care for the other person. It's a lack of care for the child in general because of the other person. Like, you don't even think that this is me, this is mine. You know what I mean? It's like, because I know females that have dumped their kid off because the dude don't want to do it. They feel like they ain't got to do it either. So, it, it goes both ways. It's men and women that, you know what I'm saying? It goes both ways. Because I know tri both both parts that's trifling. But the, the biggest part is the respect thing because we do. We lose respect for one another. And once we lose respect for one another, how we deal with anything that involves that person, including the child, including any type of situation, is nasty. It's negative or it's drawn out or you bring in some type of energy that don't need to be there. It can be easier than what it is. Um, and then to move on from that, uh, you guys kind of answered the question, what do you think our children are missing? What do you think the mothers are missing? What do you think the fathers are missing? And in a nutshell, respect. Um, so we're going to go on to how do you guys feel about family counseling or getting psychological help for you and or your loved ones? needed definitely like and i know we have you know stigmas in the, in the in the black communities about therapy or having to talk to someone like, like i think last year was like probably well i ain't gonna say well, these last couple years have been actually like very uh pulling on my emotions uh, because i lost a cousin i think my cousin was like what 33 34 and so like me never losing somebody like you know like like we were talking about you get desensitized you got homies in the streets down it's like oh another dude got killed but when it's somebody like you know it's like a brother so uh like i can't even talk to somebody out of it's like because I, I actually found him like you know i'm beating on his chest i'm trying to wake this nigga. so you know like just seeing all that in itself it's like uh i need to talk to somebody like uh, I don't need to go through like somebody trying to pull out deep trauma feelings from right. but I need to talk to somebody I need to about you know, this. I need to talk to somebody about this, like what I'm going through or you know, because I was having dreams. I was having dreams. Oh and so like I know how how I felt afterwards. And I know how, you know, we all put on fronts. We we men. Like first and foremost, like so I got daughters, I don't want my daughter seeing me, you know, in a a state that they have never seen me in. So we put up these walls, you know, to you know, to get through the day or to get through a task. But I saw like how I could have went south with it. How that how my how just, you know, the cause I'm a I'm a positive person, but I was 
being very negative in that in those in that, in that time frame. I was finding myself in a very negative place. So, and I know uh, I just lost my grandmother this year, and so experiencing losing my cousin and then losing my grandmother, like emotionally, I've changed as a person. Like, and I I can feel it. Like I. I'm a little more colder when it comes to certain type of stuff. I like, you know, you're a little more snappy with certain things, and so just uh, magnifying that over. If I if I if I'm one of those people who don't feel like I need to get that out in a, just a, a conversation, that can manifest itself in many other ways. You know, that can that can be a violent outburst. That can be drugs. That can be alcohol. That can be sex. Sex. You know, like it's. There's so many other uh, things that I could have jumped into, you know, and and, and, that, and it wouldn't have been a positive spin on on, on my life. So, uh, so like definitely, uh, I think even if it's not a counselor per se, like I wouldn't, uh, you know, I think I we we like to gossip or we you know I think we gotta just culturally that's a big thing for our we we gossip or we but so I'm not telling somebody go talk to your buddies and but. Find somebody who's neutral. They don't have to be. Find somebody that look like you too. Yeah, that's definitely, important. definitely, because they have to. They have to be able to uh, relate on, like, I, you know. And the person that I talked to was referred to me from a, a friend, so he knew what was going on. So, but like, I know everybody not comfortable talking to people they don't know from a can of paint. Yeah. But I think you gotta get it out. It did something. It did do something good for you. Oh, definitely. Because definitely, I, I'm currently like actually seeking that type of thing i had someone who told me that um i look at you and see that it's like you carry a lot of things and you know when somebody sees it from the outside yeah you know you can be looking in the mirror every day you can yeah you don't see it you know, and, and, <laughs> and just miss it and um like i we were speaking i told y'all like the first murder i seen was 10 but i've been losing people Back to back to back to back to back, and this year that just passed, I also had just lost a grandmother, um, and she lived to be 104. Congratulations! Yeah, nice. man. But she was shown was- all the way to the like all the way to the end, and it's one of those situations where because I've been conditioned to keep going, keep going. I got two of my closest friends committed suicide, so it's just like, man. Tattooed them on my arm. Keep it moving. Keep on, keep yeah. going. My cousin was killed by a police officer uh, 13 months after I seen my first murder. So when I'm 12, so I lose somebody at 10, then I lose somebody at 12. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And the police officer who killed them actually ended up becoming like the yeah. biggest agent in the mm-hmm. city. So now he's highlighted. Keep going, keep going, keep going. So all these things transpire, happening as I go along. And then my cousin, who I looked at as brother, father figure, he was everything to me. He was killed by a guy in my neighborhood, a younger guy. And this was like, the for me, the straw that broke everything for me back in 2012. Because um, I had already dealt with the fact that his mom had passed away as well. And I was... Developing that whole thing of okay, now I got her face tattooed on my chest. Keep going, keep going. You know all of these things happening. So when he got killed, and this guy was the guy who like 
shoes, clothes, haircuts, like anything I needed, he was that guy. And not only for me, but for so many other people in my neighborhood and in my community. And this is my mother's sister's son. So this is like really like not one of those situations where oh, I'm just saying you might like this is my cousin. So all of this death that's been surrounding me, but I've been trained and conditioned to keep going, keep going, keep going. And just recently I realized I had heard it said somewhere and I said, oh my gosh, that's me. The, uh, when they say su suffering in silence, like, oh, I really am. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't have, when this girl pointed it out to me, and I'm just like, you tripping. Because like, this ain't normal but, for you. Yeah, yeah but when I sat back and I, I said, maybe this, this ain't normal. So when you said that earlier about somebody said they've never seen a homicide victim, a new homicide victim, and I'm just like, the fact that we all know so many, but just like, the way people get ripped and torn from you. Even life. how we condition, like how we condition, like like I know we we all we, we, we three men up here. Like I know since day one for me, I bought like and I, and it, I'm like I I love all the people who had a role in helping bring me up. Mm -hmm. But like we was always conditioned, like oh shut that shit up, man. You and boys don't cry. You know, you know it's like we was raised, we was being handled as men at one, two, three, four years old. And so you 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 develop a certain concept that you gotta like I, I can't show emotion I gotta be like this if I'm if I'm walking in these circles I gotta play it like that because that's just how you've been conditioned and then you wake up you thirty something years old you like I, I'm just like fucked up so like, from the game, <laughs> and think about that from the game where I came up. I, I was around like a lot of older guys. So I was taught the whole, yeah, you know, you staying hold, firm, yeah, staying on So when this, <laughs> this young, this younger guy killed my cousin, it, it kind of broke me because my cousin, you know, the, the story, he was the, at one point, the neighborhood hero, right? Like I literally watched him hit four to five dice games in a row, take all the youngins to, he didn't have a card. So he would get cabs, and it's like six of them, and they would pick everybody up that's probably from 14 to 18. And he would take us all to the mall, we got what we wanted, took us to the movies, took us to eat, whatever, with his winnings, right? But then he went through some things where he became a user of, the, started abusing, you know, and, and messing with the wood and all that. And his value, after everything he's done, his value started going down to other people. So... The kid who took his life, like, I know for a fact that there was times he paid this kid mother rent. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. real stuff. And it was over petty money, like a dice game, right? Mm -hmm. So, everybody was, like, looking like, yo, because they knew how close me and him was. They're like, oh, my gosh, how he going to take it? How he gonna? And I really dealt with this day in, day out, throughout the trial, all of this stuff. And it's crazy because the day before he, the boy got sentenced... I literally had a dream about my cousin and he was like, you know, cause I'm harboring these feelings. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 my mind is not in a, a, a really functional place. I'm, I'm hurt. And you know, they get, I don't know if you know, they, uh, they give you the opportunity to speak at the trial. Like, you know, so uh, yeah. And the night before I had a dream and my cousin's like, I'm all right. Like in the dreams, like I'm cool. You got too much I need you to accomplish. Like, 
and he's never talked to me like that in the when he was alive. You know what I'm saying? So to have these like, daddy, I gotta stop holding these feelings. And on everything, when they did the vet, you know, allowed me to speak, well, they asked the family. And everybody's like, no, nigga. I said, I'm gonna say something. But everybody like, no, nah, you gonna wild out because how yeah. close man was. And I simply looked at yo and I said, I forgive you. Like, I wasn't, and it wasn't the easiest thing to do. Oh, no, nah, I can imagine. They, like, it's, I can't beef with a guy who about, like, so I'm beefing with my daughter. And, you know, I got children and, and people, are, so I'm going to be beefing with a guy who locked up in jail or whatever. But it was so hurtful because the value that people had decreased my cousin life too. Mm. Oh, he was just a dip ahead. Like they really decreased him to that. People literally had like the hood was divided. So there's one part of my neighborhood mm. that literally said "Rest in peace, JJ," and then the other one said "Free the guy who killed him." So it was people who really like R.I.P. But then there's other people like "Free the dude," and it was such a a terrible thing to me. And it's like how like. My cousin had on his work uniform. Right. Like, he you killed him over. You you killed him over pennies for real, and he on his work uniform. And there's one thing I understand the game. If my cousin had a gun, you had a gun. Your boom, 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 boom. You come out on top. Cool. Like he was playing the game. Yeah. He had no gun. You know what I'm saying? It's like so that was like the crushing part. And then after the aftermath, there was other people involved that was in the house. And this one girl, she survived. And everybody trying to touch base with her, you know, get information. What really happened? What really happened? And she knew me from the neighborhood. And when she finally got herself together, she called me. And she like, uh, I just want to talk to you because there's a lot of people trying to talk to me. And I had her on speakerphone. And my grandmother, which was also his grandmother as well, my cousin who just got killed. She sat there and listened to this whole thing transpire. So my cousin died, got killed in December. My grandma ended up passing in April. But in this time period, when we finally got to talk to this girl, and I had on speak for her, I said, I just want to know what really happened. And she gave us the story of what really, really happened in the house and all that. And I watched my grandmother smile because she was under the impression well, the, the story was, oh, he was trying to rob me, whatever, whatever. My cousin wouldn't give it up. So once this girl verified that, I my grandmother smile and say, I knew my grandson wasn't no punk. The idea of not giving it up and he had to kill you to take whatever it was. Now, nobody wants to, yeah. like, you know, but the, for her, it was enough. And she really died peacefully. Like, it was like she was waiting to see, because all of a sudden, you know, her health started going down after my cousin mm-hmm. get killed, and you know, she just lost a daughter, which was his mother. Now she lose him, and it's, it's it was overbearing. Mm-hmm. But those are all the things that, as a community, I'm, like I said, I'm telling my story, but I know it's people who going through that every day, all day, three hundred and sixty-five. So wow. when I hear the idea, of, because I feel I've tried everything else, I promise you. <laughs> I tried to drink the pain away. But I've never got an opportunity to speak to someone, you know, on a professional level where, you know, to 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 get that to get it off and, and, and to see what to do with the energy. Because 
48 bottles of Duce and count or whatever you want to like not I've never been like a smoker but even in these ones I'm like alright let me try to smoke like anything yeah. because all I ever heard was oh that's how you numb it you know women sex whatever that's how you, oh man you get not thinking about but it never took it away and I still have moments where I could be riding in a car and I have to pull over on side of the road yeah. and I just start crying. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I can be listening to anybody's story, whether it's an interview or something. And if I hear connect, anything yeah. that connects, like, I don't know if y'all check, like, Beanie Siegel and Oskino did the, the, like, they were talking about uh, uh, some people coming to film him, take a picture of Siegel Street in, 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 in Philly that drove from North. And just that <laughs> idea of you made it Enough that somebody was willing to travel to us to take a picture of the street you're from. It was so emotional to me, man. I pulled over and I cried. Like, because well, what I believe it is, is just the connection in, man, my cousin was an artist. You know, like maybe like if he had reached a certain height. So um I don't know if that I don't I don't know if that's normal to just cry like that, but I was told that it's triggers are liquid prayers. It triggers, right? Everybody got triggers. It's like a person that get high, there's a recovering addict. They sitting in the room, the next room, they smell that drug. So, I won't get high. Hey, just fine. You just want to get high. They smell it. It's triggers, mm. right? We all got triggers. Good triggers, bad triggers, right? You smell some good food, damn, I taste it. That just made me want, right? That just made me want some Chipotle, because you smelled it, right? Or, mm, dang, that just made me want to go take the garbage out. That shit stink. Mm -hmm. When I get home, I make sure I take the trash out. You ain't even at home, but something triggered you to make you think about the garbage while you riding down 295. You ain't nowhere near your house, so it's triggers. Uh, to answer your question, pretending to do, I think we all need uh, some type of therapy or help. I believe that, you know, we should all have some form of, of, of therapy or, or some type of therapeutic activity for outlet. You know, sometimes uh, being therapeutic isn't always talking to somebody. Sometimes, you know, you got people who do yoga. That's therapeutic. You got people who meditate. That's, that's therapeutic. I think we should all have some form of outlet for self-care because that's what it is. It all comes down to self-care. Uh, I don't see no stigma with it. I mean, I've, I've endured so much trauma in my life that I deal with things a lot different than a lot of people. I've been told I'm weird. I've been told that I don't care. But in my mind, I know I do care and I know I'm not weird, right? I know those things. How I know them? Because I, I, I function how I function, but because I don't function how you think I should function, that makes me weird or not caring. That's your opinion. We all are entitled to those, right? But when you sing as much as I sing in my lifetime, you start dealing with things a lot different. And for me, uh, speaking on the specifics of death, I've experienced so much death. I lost my mother. My mother was killed. I just recently lost my son mother. She just was killed. Uh, I've lost countless homies that was killed, right? I've lost countless family members that's outside and cousins uh, that's been killed. Uh, uncle killed, right? Uh, for me, I think I deal with death in a different way. I think that I look at death in the, as in the aspect of I know we're all going to die. That's one thing that made me realize about dealing with death. We're all going to die. Everybody sitting on this panel, in this room, I hate to say it, if you don't know it, we're all going to die. 
Now, how we die is the, is the, is the, is the thing. You know, if someone does something to you to take your life, I might feel a little different about it, depending on the circumstances. Because, hey, you could have been the predator, they could have been the prey, and the prey could have came out on top. You know, uh, I respect the game 100%. If you're in it, there's no rules to it. You got to deal with how it comes. That's the game. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you're not in it, I feel some type of way. So I've been in that situation where my mother wasn't in the game. She's a cold-blooded civilian. Killed, found her murdered, right? And uh, do, do I feel a certain type of way about that? Yes. But we also got to look in the mirror and look at ourselves and ask ourselves about some of the things we've done, right? So when we look in the mirror and ask ourselves about some of the things we've done, we got to think about the way that affected some of the people that has been involved with some of the things that we have done in our life. You know, bad, good, and in between. So when I look at therapy, I look at therapy as an outlet to vent. I think I'm more of a therapist these days than getting therapy. Real talk. Every morning I get a phone call from one of my partners. Every morning, like clockworks, well-known dude around the city. A lot of dudes mess with them, and if you know me, you know I, I'm, I'm connected with a lot of dudes in this city. If somebody or people of take the approach that they somebody they just calming people to me mm -hmm. right but i get phone calls on the regular every morning i get a vet hey what you doing it's eight o'clock in the morning if i'm still in the bed man i know you woke but hey i just need to hit me out on this you, just happened literally not too long before i came up here hey man such shit happened with such, such you think i was wrong and I'm, I'm always, I try to be the voice of reason. You try to be the moral compass. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm balanced because I, I, I try to be as objective as possible. You feel what I'm saying? Because if I'm not objective, who am I? I become judgmental. Mm -hmm. Because your subjective uh, is what your personal opinion is. So I try to hear it out. And there have been times I had to tell dudes and you like, wrong. you wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. like, yeah, I had to check a few of my homies about why, with their wife. Like, like, I, I had to tell you. Yeah, because I'm going to give him Like, I had to tell him about his wife. <laughs> he ain't asked me one day, we was around his wife, and I just said, he's running this job. He's a drill sergeant. And I was like, damn, like, she don't like, damn, she don't know to go left or right. Like, and he ain't abusive. He just, man, and we got outside, and he wasn't verbally abusive. He was, it's his. Presence, right? The way he conducts it's himself, his demeanor. We got outside, we got around and said, Hey, homes, you not stay out in the business when it comes to your woman. That's your woman. Well, man, you tripping. And when I started breaking it down to him, pointing it out to him, he's like, Man, you're right, Jim. So, like, most definitely therapy is needed in whatever form or fashion that you feel that you need therapy. You know, don't become, don't become a person that feel like. I gotta go and talk to somebody. Because yeah. you go talk to somebody and walk out and still yeah, feel, feel fucked up. Yeah. You like, man, I thought I was gonna feel better, man. Room told me if I go haunt these people. Right. And you yeah, or, or you just don't need to talk to nobody, you really need to talk to yourself. Yeah, yeah. that's it. And really and really and really get an understanding of acceptance to, for yourself. Because if you don't accept whatever your issues is, you'll never have a, a conclusion. Yeah, well, you yeah. always walk around with this in your head because you aren't accepting what your issues are. You got to accept it first. Before I can tell you what's my problem, I got to accept that I got a problem. Yeah, right. If I come in and say, man, I don't know what's wrong with me, but you know, my eye lot, keep leaking. Man, I know what's wrong with me. My eye keep leaking. <laughs> I, need, I need some help with my eye. I got to come in and tell you my problems first. So don't, I say that to say not to be discouraging. I want you to really Evaluate and think about what, what it is that you're seeking. 
right? And do you feel that another person can help you get to where you're trying to get to mentally? Because you might read a book. Like I'm an avid reader. You might read a book and it might give you an aha moment, right? As in the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey, a paradigm shift, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're sitting there and you say to yourself, damn, I ain't never think of this like this. And it just make your whole way of life change. Mm -hmm. When you said, when you said the effect, you know, of course we know everybody got to die at some point, right? Like it's part of life cycle. The craziest thing is... I don't know if any of y'all have seen the, the photograph with uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. It, but I uh -uh. So there's a photograph. Uh, it's uh, the one and only time that they ever met. Uh, Martin and Malcolm is shaking hands and, and they're both smiling in the picture. And what was said was that Malcolm had told Martin that me and you are more alike than we are different. But because of our methods, people want to put us against each other. He said, this says Malcolm told Martin um, that we got something in common that I know and you haven't figured out yet. Not only are we both black men, but we both are dead men. I just know it and you don't. Yeah. So because of. He accepted his fate. Right. Mm -hmm. He already knew his fate before, right? Mm -hmm. He knew his fate before. And that that, that kind of like go to you just seen Judas in the Black Messiah when Fred Hampton is up there speaking. He said, I know my body don't belong to me. My body belongs to the people. I know I'm not going to die a peaceful death with around the bed. You see when his the, the lady that was pregnant by him said, You up there just talking about your body belongs to the people? I got a kid inside mm -hmm. of me. But he had already accepted that he knew, like Certain things you know, right? Yeah, you go on a certain yeah, words, and, and certain things you don't. Even when you doing them times, even in the street, if you running around in the streets doing a bunch of stuff, it's damn near high prosperity that somebody gonna crush you. But mm -hmm. well, them boys yeah, gonna get on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it, it, but the, but the if you doing a lot of stuff, like every dude that we know, or, or I ain't gonna say we know that we pretty much heard of a lot of them. If they didn't go to jail, they wind up getting killed. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's that's the, the because of their actions. They didn't get killed because they was innocent bystanders. They got killed because of their actions. So, yeah. But you know, to bring it back full circle, I most definitely feel that you know, find your find your form of therapy. Hopefully, it's something positive and not nothing negative, not self medicating, calling it therapy. Because once you get high, you come down. The reality is, you still got to deal mm -hmm. with it. So, and I, like I said, going back to accepting whatever your issue is. And you know, trying to find some resolution for it because you know, uh, I'm a big reader and I get a lot out of books. You know, uh, have I considered speaking with someone? Yes, I have. Have I got around to it? No, I haven't. Mm -hmm. But I, I always try to figure it out until I reach that bridge to get comfortable enough where I feel the need to the point where I got to go in somebody's office. I'm not saying that I'm exempt, I'm just saying at this point, at this point. Yeah. I don't feel that I need that at this point. Right. But, I, you know, eventually, hey, maybe I might just pull up in there just to see how they thinking because they might be talking and I don't like what they talking right. about. Right. You know, I might say, I gave it a try, but just ain't fool you. You got to find your liquor. <laughs> personally, um, as someone who has dealt with depression and anxiety and has dealt with a psychiatrist and a therapist, so I see someone that prescribes medication as well as talk therapy. 
um, before I started seeing someone, I was against it. I didn't want to do it. But eventually, I felt like I was dealing with something that I didn't understand and nobody else around me could understand it either. And for me to talk to my mother or my sisters, not that I didn't have their support, but for me to talk to them, they know me on a personal level, so they wouldn't be able to be objective to what I'm telling them because it's like, no, you're just too sensitive or you're just too this, you're just too that. So it got to the point where I said, you know, I need help. And I had to ask my oldest sister, like, will you take my son for me so I can get help? I don't want nobody to take him from me. But you know, I had to do that as a woman. I had to get there, I'm coming to tears. But I had to get there. Um, and then once I did, I started seeing a doctor, and before I got to the point where I needed to see a doctor, my therapy was my poetry. I'm just starting to open up and share poems with everybody, but the way that I talked myself through what I was going through, my thoughts, my racing thoughts, um, I just recently found out on ADHD as an adult, and I was as a kid, never knew what was wrong with me. I, I understand now, but then my thoughts were always racing. All I can do is put it on papers. I still got papers from seventh grade. I'm 37 years old. I still got papers that I wrote in the seventh grade. So that was my way of getting out my feelings. And I started going to see someone because that stopped working. I stopped being able to sit down and have that time to myself to actually get all that shit out and try to figure it out on paper. Because once I get it out and I say it out loud, then it makes a little bit more sense to me. Like it either sounds crazy or it makes sense. And I can put it together with Seeing a therapist, the first therapist wasn't for me. The next one that I got to made me feel okay, you know what I'm saying? And this was somebody that was prescribing medication, so it made me feel okay. But they were just using me as a guinea pig, just giving me medicine, you know what I'm saying? And I had to like detox myself off that and try to figure out a little bit myself. Because like you said, if you don't know you have a problem, how could you talk to somebody else about your problem? And once I figured out that... Yeah, I really have a problem. Now, I can go tell you that this is what I think my problem is. And you're not going to tell me that, no, your problem is something else. No. I know what my problem is. I need you to help me dissect this problem and figure out how to deal with this. You know what I mean? So, I finally got a doctor that is great. Like, I can come to him with a dream, a poem, or anything. And he can break it down. I've been dealing with him for so long that he can, you know, like, no, this, is, this isn't your problem. This is what's happening and it makes sense. My talk therapist, no, doesn't work. I don't do it. And my therapist, my uh, therapist therapist doesn't look like me. He's a foreigner, but he's great at what he do. So I can relate to him. My talk therapist is a white guy. I can't, our conversations are dry. I don't even, like I can't really get started with him. So it's like, what are we talking about? I would rather talk to a black woman when I'm just sitting down talking about something I'm just dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis versus a psychological issue that I feel like I'm having. My emotional issue, I think I need to talk to somebody that looks like me because I feel like you might have went through some of the shit that I'm going through. So maybe I'm not the only one going through this. Right, but psychologically, I just want to make sure you understand psychologically. You know, I just want to make sure you understand that and, and you can help me with these things that are not on a, a basic level far as, oh, I, I'm just not feeling like dealing with people today. No, I really have an issue that I need some psychological help with and I need to know how to deal with this. So I can talk to somebody who doesn't look like me, obviously knows what he's doing. 
But when it comes to emotionally or I'm a mother and I'm going, I want to talk to another mother. I want to talk to somebody that's been through what I've been through that looks like me and, you know what I'm saying? And it kind of helps. And it really helps to sit down and say it out loud and hear yourself. Even if you just record yourself and play it back, hear it out loud. It makes a difference. It'll either sound crazy or make sense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like one or the other. And then when you go to somebody for help, you know what you need help for. And you're not just in there asking for something and you don't know what the hell you want. So that's something else to think about before going to look for help. You know what I'm saying? Like focus on what the main thing is because they will get in your head and try to, oh, when you was a kid, you were molested. This is why you do this. And No, we're not talking about that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this. This is what I'm dealing with. And this is what I need to deal with. Because if it relates to something that I was traumatized by, trust me, I'll make that connection without you. So just on that. All right. <laughs> we going um we gonna go on to the next question. So we already know that the person is a problem in that family household. We talked about how we can start to address depression, far as childhood depression, postpartum depression, or any other depression for that matter. Um, how can we become better educated on the topic and save more of our children from growing up and becoming adults not knowing that they are or how depressed they are? And teach them how to know the signs of depression. Because a lot of times people don't know that they're depressed because like y'all said, we desensitize. We taught the numb it out. For a lot of girls, we're taught the fuck it out. For a lot of boys, y'all taught the same thing. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't understand that sex is an addiction. Sometimes you are fucking and you don't know why. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you keep, if you keep doing this and you're not getting no satisfaction, what the fuck are you doing for? It's something wrong with you. You can't keep doing something and Eventually, you're going to go somewhere else. And as you got people with crazy sex fetishes and stuff, and they cheat on their mates because they can't express to their mates that this is what I like. And even if it isn't, you know, this is what I'm into. And accept yourself so that someone else can accept you. You have a lot of people who are afraid because they think something is wrong with me because this is what I... It's okay if you are a little different from everybody else. You know, but you got to accept that. That's the only way you're going to be able to function. That's the only way. And if you don't know the signs that... Maybe you or somebody around you is going through something. You won't be able to point them in the right direction. Like my son's father, after 2012, you know, when your cousin died, that that was that was a breaking point for me. That was like I I that was I learned how to let go after that. It was it was huge, you know what I mean. And right after that, my son' grandfather died the exact same way. Dice came, cut shot in the head, same way. Right before Christmas, a few months later. Right before my birthday, my son grandmother died, and she was living in my basement with us. And my son Bob was standing in the basement as well with her. He had a mental break. Um, it took him a while before he actually, because like when he was standing in my house, I had to tell my sister and his brother like something is wrong. Like I'm telling y'all because I deal with this. I'm telling y'all something's wrong with this man. He need to see somebody. But because we don't deal with it, we don't understand. When I put him out, he wants to stay there. That's when it was like, you know what? You're right. Let's get on the phone and try to get him a doctor. Let's try to do this. Let's try to do that. But he didn't want the help. Once he lost his job, he wanted the help. Because now he's realizing that something might be wrong. Found out he was manic depression. I mean, um, manic bipolar. He needs medication for that. That's something that you need medication for. So we had to go see somebody. And had we not, we never would have known exactly what it was. We thought it was probably schizophrenia or something. But... 
that that environmental change is what caused that mental break. And sometimes we go through, like you say, we witness a death, so on. We go through changes and stuff happens and something snaps in us. Bipolar is genetic. We don't know that his father was bipolar or not. We always just say something's wrong with him. The military messed him up. He could have been bipolar. My son could possibly become bipolar. So this was something that I definitely wanted to know because I could potentially have to deal with this if something happened to my child and he has that gene. You know what I mean? So that's another reason why it's good to kind of like know the signs and pay attention to the people around you and yourself. You know what I'm saying? But bringing it back to the question and let y'all get into it because I kind of took over. How can we better educate ourselves on this topic and, you know, recognize the signs and so on? Education is imperative. Uh, if you see something, research it. Right? I'm big about research. We walk around with uh, computers in our pocket and we steal some of the people in the world. Okay. You know, uh, excuse me how I put that, but dumbest people in the world. And I reiterate that, right? I hate when a person say to me, hey, man, how you do such and such? And I get on Google right in front of them and do it. What's stopping you? <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Like, like that That happens so much. I can understand you not knowing. You feel what I'm saying? But back in the days, yeah, we had to go to a directory or whatever, right? We didn't have this, this, this type of access at the time. But with this type of access, there's really no excuse if you see something to not even to at least inquire, Google it. Like, if, even if you got it wrong, you know you see something, right? And once you see something, and you got this, you can document it, right? So, for instance, like with your son father, right? And I, and I know him, I know him personally. That I've been knowing him for a long time, right? I've been knowing him for years, that's my man. Seen him not too long ago, he walked up on me. Um, if I was to see him somewhere, or if, if I was in your household at the time, with the technology we got today, you can record that. Mm -hmm. And you can show that to a doctor and say, man, this is what he's doing in the house, mm -hmm. right? So education, once again, right? It's too many ways to educate ourselves on situations and issues. If we don't see nothing, I'm the type of person, I just read up on all types of stuff. Man, you probably look through my Google search. I probably didn't Google everything I can think of. <laughs> You feel what I'm saying? I wake up in the middle of the night and Google how many stars in the in the in the uh sky. <laughs> Stupid stuff to, to the average person, but to me, I'm the type of person that I just wanna know more. I just wanna know so because I never know when they you know, like I, I quiz my son sometimes. How many time zones in the world? Yeah, I don't know sometimes. It's twenty-four. It's a time zone for every hour. You feel what I'm saying? But I think that educating ourselves uh around mental health period is very important. Whether we see the issues directly in our household or not, I think that uh, educating ourselves, especially for us being uh, people that are engaged with people in the community, we're engaging with a host of people we don't know from nowhere. So when we see something, we should be able to hopefully identify and not see it as a threat and do something to somebody because we feel that it's a threat, right? Because the headline is going to read, Drone Nesbitt. Uh, green scheme strangles guy, right? They, they ain't gonna say the guy had mental health issues. You don't know he got mental health issues, but he's running up on you acting crazy. Sometimes, you know, just having that, and just having that's why one never reason I took the suicide prevention class I just took. That was voluntary. I took that voluntarily because 
I'm engaged with so many people who come from environments that could possibly be suicidal, mm-hmm. right? They say suicide thoughts is not a bad thing, but not. Uh, but when you start to act on those mm-hmm. thoughts, that's when it becomes a bad mm-hmm. thing, right? So just think, I deal with a population of returning citizens. I'm a commissioner on a, on a board for returning citizens. I deal with returning citizens also through my nonprofit. I engage with uh, Tony Wars, of course, throughout the city doing different stuff together. Who knows who we gonna see dealing with him? But who's to say one day when we somewhere that somebody who's having a suicidal thought don't say something or say something and I don't catch it, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't know. But if I know, it's triggers. Mm-hmm. When people say stuff, they say there's an invitation. Mm-hmm. When they say stuff, I'm tired. This man I can't do this no more, man. Man, whoo, boy, man, I swear those be invitations. They be having those thoughts, but they really want somebody to step in and mm-hmm. say something. So, you know, even before I took that class, I would have never picked up on that. I'm tired. Guess what I was saying? Jerome, tripping like a mug. Man, he's tired, tired, man. Or you you commit suicide, and the next day I can talk. He said he was tired yesterday. Now that you said that, now I know that's a sign. Yeah. Because I've heard so many people use that. Yeah. And I never... And, and they like, you know, with, with the training, you know, it's a, it's a few things into the training, but, you know, one of the things is like, be direct yeah. with a person. Like, man, you having suicidal thoughts? Yeah. yeah. And, and then I, if, they, if they say, yeah, then, you know, you first thing they always say is safety, safety, safety. Man, you ain't hiding nothing, is you? Nah, you ain't got no guns or drugs or nothing, you no pills or no medication or nothing. Safety. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't address the safety, then... You can't address anything else. If they got a gun on them, hey, where's that? Is it my backpack? Hey, man, you, you mind if I just hold your backpack while we talk? Mm-hmm. Safety, right? Because if they say I got a gun and you still trying to talk them off the ledge, they can reach in the gun. Mm-hmm. They can reach in the backpack and commit a murder suicide, right? Mm-hmm. So I just think when it comes to mental health, I think that we most definitely just have to be more educated. I think we have to stop stigmatizing it. I think we have to stop saying that he lunching. Or she mm-hmm. lunching, because them are the favorite words now. Mm-hmm. He tripping or she tripping, mm-hmm. and recognize that that person is having some type of issues. Even if you're high off a of PCP or something, you're medicating from something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So let's address it in the proper manner and stop stigmatizing it. And once we stop stigmatizing our community, people will be more willing and open to going out and getting help. Mm-hmm. Because when you see somebody going to get help, you won't tell my man they going to see his motherfucking dog. He tripping, right? Something wrong with Slim. Mm-hmm. He lunching. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the biggest one. Like, stop being so judgment. We are a judgmental society. And yeah. I know that's in whole, like, United States, but culturally, we judge each other mm-hmm. before we judge ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so just, you know, and that, and like, that goes with, because I, I totally agree with everything Boob's saying, like, but with that, the doors don't open if, if you know it's judgment behind. It's like, I can't, I'm not even, and yeah. I think sometimes you might know your issues. But yeah, I talk about that. Yeah, if I if 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 Sometimes they just post it because it's a post, yeah. right? Yeah. And it sounds cool, right. but in reality, like how many of us have dealt with situations where, damn, I want to say something to somebody, but I can't, right? Because 
at the end of the day, I'm going to be ostracized, right? I'm going to be scrutinized. I, 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 I used to always use this analogy: if if it's a hundred people in a room doing something wrong, but if you that one person is doing right, you look crazy mm -hmm. because there's ninety nine other motherfuckers in the room wrong. doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that that's the that's the like the game we are uh, are kind of like playing with with the, with the social media. People don't want to be the outsider, mm -hmm. even if they know that's right to do. That's crazy, like, and that's just because we are we want to be cool. We try to be on the end. We so, all strong in our own right. I believe that, and this is just off of first meeting, no Cindy, but like so. If we've even had moments of doubt or thinking. Imagine somebody who ain't even as strong willed as you or you, you know, like, of course they setting back and don't even got the nerve. Like, I, I've been in a space where I kind of thrive off of the idea of being the person that's going to say what everybody, everybody, everybody else wants to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recently did a, a 40 day fast, right? Where, like, no alcohol, no sex, no solid food, just straight fresh juice and water. And I purposely did it. Drew like holiday, birthday, the time, the time where I know everybody yeah, yeah. It's the highs. And it was just like, yo, you tripping. <laughs> <laughs> you testing your willpower, yeah. though. You building up uh, uh, perseverance. Yeah, because it ain't about it. Uh, for me, it wasn't like the losing weight. It wasn't nothing like that. I literally seen, because uh, one of my friends who committed suicide, we called him Buck 40. So when he killed himself, I started walking around with this mentality like, I'm starting to wake up at 4.40 a.m. every morning, wake up at 4.40 because I'm doing it 4.40. So the number 40 has just started being like a, a thing to me. And I heard David Ben on The Breakfast Club. And he said, everybody acting so blown away by them saying, Jesus walked on water and all this. When you try fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, you might go walk on water too. So the idea of 40, I said, hold up, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think he tested me, right? So from yeah, so from there I'm like, you know, I'm about to try fasting for forty days, and a couple times, you know, go two days either. But then I, I actually achieved it, right? And when I got to day thirty nine, like the next day forty, I'm like, oh, now I had slimmed down, lost a ton of weight, and I just felt how my body felt and everything, and it was like. A dope feeling, but it wasn't for results of a look. It was the the mentality because if I can train this to war against everything, and I mean I'm purposely putting myself in the settings at the same time. <laughs> it's part of I'm going water. <laughs> everybody, everybody in that joint, like water. Like I'm, I'm gonna, because, and not to say I'm better than these, but just to show like. That you can do that, this. That, that discipline. Yeah. That discipline. Discipline is so serious. People don't realize how imperative discipline is, right? Imagine if Jeff Benson would say, fuck Amazon. Mm. That was discipline. Mm -hmm. Imagine if Steve Jobs said, fuck Apple, right? That was discipline. Discipline is, is what separates a lot of people from other people. It's, the, it's, the, it's that right. waking up every day. And doing what you got to do, even when the shit ain't cool, mm -hmm. right? That's and that's what it was. It's still discipline. And what you realize through that 40 days and 40 nights is discipline. And I speak on discipline because I did 13 years. I did 13 mm -hmm. years and two months, right? So I dealt with a lot of discipline. A lot. Whether it was what I was eating, whether it was who I was calling. It was discipline, right? Because 
I did 300 minutes a month. I got to make those 300 minutes count. I got a child that's growing up. Mm. I'm trying to pour into my child and hear his voice. So I got to figure out how I'm going to discipline myself to make this 300 minutes work for a whole 30 days. Talk to my son. Catch everybody else I feel I need to catch or want to catch, right? And still be able to be good with myself. So discipline is very imperative. It's an imperative thing. And I think that... Uh, that's one of the biggest things that we all lack. Yeah. Right, right. We all that, right? Everybody want the, the gratification, the fast come up, right? The fast everything. That's because of lack of discipline. Mm -hmm. Because if you know, people be talking, I'm, I'm trying to lose 70 pounds in 30 days. Sorry, homes, but it ain't take you 30 days to put that 70 pounds <laughs> on. So it don't work like you, that. It don't work, but, but they don't want to be disciplined for that process. Right. So what happens? You have a boom in plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. You have a boom in liposuction. You have a boom in fat transfers. You have a boom in all these things because people aren't disciplined enough to get the stuff off of them in the proper way. They, 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 they enjoyed themselves putting it on. They said, Ruth Chris, they said, Del Frisco, every dude that told her that let's go out to eat. She didn't turn nothing down with her collar. Listen, she was every way. The drinking blows you up, right? You drunk every drink, all the sugar, all those things, right? was lack of discipline because if you do anything in moderation, right, you can maintain I'm a I, I'm a, a true believer and I'm a liver of that, right? I came home, I'm pretty much about still about the same weight with a probably about ten pounds on me or fifteen pounds more than what I was when I came home five years ago. Because I'm disciplined. I get up, I go run it. I've changed my diet over the course of being home. I just went vegan like a year ago. I do so much stuff because I'm disciplined to the fact that I know I got to make these changes for my health and for longevity. I know dudes who came home when I came home. Man, look like they got on a fat suit. Mm -hmm. they, the discipline they had in the joint, they eating wool meals and working out every day. Oh, that shit out the window. Because for, like, for a lot of people, they don't see discipline until they go to jail. Exactly, because mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're put in an environment where they convert over to what the environment mm -hmm. is. I'm not going to say don't have no choices. I hate that. We yeah, all got a choice. We all got a choice. Your choices are based on what you are willing to accept. Mm -hmm. Right? I hate a dude who be like, oh, man, I did that because I ain't had no choice. Then you had a choice. We all got a choice. No, you didn't want to deal with whatever consequences was if you didn't do that. You feel what I'm saying? So there's a choice for everything that we do in life. There's nothing that, the only thing I think that we don't have a choice on exactly. is when it's time to die. Outside that, you got a choice. You feel what I'm saying? You got a choice to, 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 to make. But I just say that to say, man, they, they lack, we lack so much discipline. And, and, and I think that they're bringing back, I think that uh, that's very imperative and important. And I think we got to also be disciplined in, you know, when we are reaching out and trying to go see a therapist. If you're going to see a therapist, you got to be disciplined and go back. You can't go once. And you recognize you got an issue and then don't go back because your man and them trying to go to the club mm -hmm. and, or they try to hit happy hour when it's at the same time that you're yeah, trying you to go to therapy, right? Like like people like discipline for a host of reasons. They put the important stuff on the back burner and they put the foolish stuff at the mm -hmm. forefront. You know, I it's do it. I, I go through it in the house with my own son. Man, why you ain't do? Why you ain't get him to brush your teeth? I don't know, but you on a fucking video game. <laughs> like you got a funky breath on the video game. Like, you, know, you just you ain't tripping because the people can't smell it. But I got living here with you. 
You know, like, like, listen, man, I'm doing this by myself. If your teeth start to fall out and you got to get some work done, who got to pay for it? Man, I mean, that joke like Scarface, who put that thing together? <laughs> Me! <laughs> for real, man. I, it, it, because, and then I just told him, and then this, this is literally the truth. I just told him that day. I'm getting up every morning, which I do anyway. And I'm walking your ass to the bathroom until you get tired of me walking you to the bathroom every morning. You 17. If you can't do it on your own, if I got to keep telling you and you're going to do it like I tell you, I'm just going to start waking you up early. Now you're going to get tired of it. Wake you up. You're supposed to get up at 8. I'm going to start waking you up at 7.20. Hey, you need to go brush your teeth. I know you ain't supposed to brush for nothing but two minutes, but your ass is going to sit there and be mad for an extra hour Mm -hmm. until the point where you start saying, I'm disciplined enough. Hey, Dad. Now come in and give me your mama knock this John off because listen, if you lack your discipline, it's gonna cost me. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like hey, you said earlier, the representation The representation, you right? How that goes back to you representing we don't get discipline until we go to jail. That's cause you said the consequences no of the consequences of the discipline, yeah. It goes to our government. That's why we section eight, we mm-hmm. food stamps. But, but it's you you trade off something, right? You give up you you make a choice for something. You can have Section 8, but your dude can't live in the house, yeah. right? And you, you can't, can't make a certain amount of money. Yeah, you can have this, but you can't make a certain amount of money. We're going to raise your rent, right? People make it's those choices. Yeah, it's people make those choices. Yeah. And, and, and it's really not, though. It, well, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's too, not because, because they start dictating, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. You, they make it seem easier. people find ways around it. So, like, because I know so many people, so many, and I swear to God, like, I, I didn't have to do a lot of stuff I did. I, I was very fortunate. I always had, but I was in the environment I was in, and I enjoyed it. So I've seen so many people, like I felt like I was just green the whole time coming up. I did not realize how many people were finessing the system, finessing the hell out the system, living in shelters, getting all types of vouchers for clothes and food. And I'm just sitting up here like I was with my, the relationship I was in to my son's school. I ended up pregnant when my son was like two by his dad. So we talked about it. And the first thing he said is, oh, everybody was mad and they thought I'm about to have another baby. His mother and his sister looked at me and was like, oh, you can just go on the shelter. They're going to get your place in no time. I got an abortion so fast and got the fuck out of that boy in my house. I, like, I got out of that relationship. I got out of all of that. Because it, they mentality. What, what the fuck was that? They, they, they I, mentality. You know what I mean? Like, And I'm like, ain't no way when I got a whole mother that ain't going to never see me in no situation like that. Why would I take my child to a shelter? But, 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 but just think about this, right? They presented that to you, right? As an option, as a choice, right? But how many people do you know personally who live like that? Yeah, I know a lot. Like even 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 going into just and let's just say And I think that's a disability. It's a disability. Let's let's say going into Lincoln Heights. How many people been there for all those years? Yeah. Like, like, how many years does it take for you to get up and get get the fuck out of your mother's house no more? So you get an apartment around really? here. Really? Yeah, right. Why? And, and not just that. Okay, some people, it's a misfortunate situation. You need some help. But, this but the help will come to help. Down. No, the, yes, what I'm no, no, the, help, the help turns into uh, you become a dependent. Right? The help comes to, hey, you, I mean, you know how many people I know just kept pushing babies out? Yeah, it's a fucking two bedroom, excuse my language. It's a fucking two bedroom, though. How many, how many kids, how many, I know somebody, man, probably got about eight people in a two bedroom, bro. Yo, seriously. So, like, just real talk, like how you say that past down thing. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a neighborhood called Robinwood, in Annapolis. It's 
we got like seven lower income housing projects in but y'all got and, houses yeah and they all <laughs> one way in one way out yeah. but then the other places like eastport mm -hmm. 20 that mm -hmm. were more like yeah. apartment style but peep this out cindy when you met me like look at that dynamic my grandmother moved into that community when it was first built late 60s early 70s right here we go we probably meet in like 2002 2000, early 2000s right and you got my grandmother living here, mm -hmm. my mother my living across the street, everybody my knew. aunt lives back everybody here, and my knew. uncle lives up the street with his girlfriend. Yep. So we're all in the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea for the housing authority, because I've heard it from both sides, because my dad is heavy into politics and into the uh, uh, city council and everything in Annapolis, I've heard him say multiple times, because he, at one time, was the head of the housing authority. And he said, you know, the uh, housing authority is really only supposed to be a stepping stone. That's mm -hmm. supposed to be. Exactly. But my grandma was still there. And then she had a, my grandmama had a boyfriend. And he moved and got a house or whatever. He said, you know, why wouldn't you come with me? This is the only guy I've ever known. So I never met my biological grandfather. So this is the guy I've known from as young as I can remember. He moves out, he gets his like, you know, tell my grandma, come move it. No, ain't nothing like having your own. Mm -hmm. She considered that her own, even though like he has a house that he owns, his land, his property, she would move there because this neighborhood, Robinwood, she considered this her own. And then literally 25 steps down the street, she's headed to my aunt's house. And then 50 steps over, she's headed to my mother's house. And then 10 steps up the street, you headed to my uncle's house. And this is all in one community that's literally like 89 homes in this mm -hmm. this community. And I know because, like I said, I made it my business. Like for the Christmases, I would go to each house, any kid, 18 and under. We gonna try to, you know, get something for whatever, whatever, and like go there. So it's like, dang, 89 units. And my immediate family occupies five. And it's not even talking about the cousins who have now gotten older and then put their name on the housing authority mm -hmm. list. So now they're just waiting for their place to come through. And then it's a bunch of these in this in my city. It's seven of them. And I got family members who live in every single one, mother and father side. And it becomes, how you said, the normal. Because then I get old enough. And me and my sister got that name on the list. And now we're moving into a one in another neighborhood. So... When I got locked up, it was almost like the gift and a curse because, dang, by my name being on the lease, how it works in the necklace is if you get arrested and your name is on the lease of public housing, then everybody who lives in that house got to get out. Mm -hmm. They get put out. So yeah, the only way so we could jump away was I had to take my name yeah, off the lease so my sister could keep the place. But once again, because that happened, it pushed me to have to do more, get Going, more, get and then I'm not boom. Yeah. And then my sister boom. And even though I, a lot of times I say I'm an artist, and I, I speak about my mom's husband, uh, not my biological dad, but my mom's husband was a crack user. Like I was, I dislike this dude with everything in me because you know I was, I was pretty good on on the court. So, you know when you could beat everybody your age and probably five years older than you, like they gotta find something. So it's just like, your mother smoke, cousin smoke crack, your mother husband smoke crack. You know, the, the, the joning thing as kids. And it's like, man, you really gonna murder this dude? Now, thank God my mom never fell into the position of being the user herself, but she just loved this man. So then I had to like 
wow. I watched my mom never have a license, never think about having my own car, none of that. But this guy finally got himself together, went back in the military. He brought my mother her first brand new car. He moved her out of the hood. He stopped using drugs, whatever. So that was my mother's out. Like, she got out because of this guy who got himself together. But I, to this day, believe, like, if I hadn't got arrested, me and my sister might still be in public housing. If this guy didn't clean his act up, they still be in public housing. If my aunt didn't pass away, she would have still probably been in public housing. Like, these are all the realities in Man, it, it, it's heartbreaking. We passed down to, 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 to see that. Oh, like I seen, listen, I seen that. I seen that. I seen that, especially when I came home, like with the, with the Tavon situation. Mm-hmm. Like, and it feel in my lap. Like, mm-hmm. I, I need you home. You need me. I'm fresh out. Mm-hmm. Thirteen years. He gave me nothing but a high five and a what's up. You talking about you need me now? And I figured it out. I made it happen. You feel what I'm saying? And you know, like, because it's the nature of who I am. It's the nature of who I was even when I was in. I, I figured it out. But I've seen that. You know, I've seen that firsthand. You know, yeah. had that situation yeah. I transpired, well, it never left. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And yeah. not even never left because it still never left. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. of what transpired yeah. in the long run at the, at the end, the, the, mm-hmm. the conclude that story, yeah. right? Still never left. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When it's all said and done. You ain't have to be there. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But you chose to be in that environment and things transpired to lead to what yeah. they led to, yeah. right? But you had an outlet. But then you get so tied to those ties so, and yeah. that mentality, so, right? So, that, that some people just don't know how to let certain things go. And that is, I, that is a, it's a mental illness. I just keep saying it. Like, it's a, being complicit with a, 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 a bad situation and not saying that because it's your current situation that's bad it makes you bad or anything we all go through bad things and sometimes we're just in a bad way and like I had to tell my niece one time because she was talking about her and her mother not getting along I'm just like you know what your mother even gonna teach you show you the woman to be or the woman not to be you got a choice of what to do with what it is she's giving you so just because you come from those circumstances doesn't mean you have to stay in those circumstances. And a lot of times what happens is, of course, we deal with these. A lot of the women go through postpartum. A lot of the boys are raised by, I, I say we raise emotionless women and uh, uh, emotionally distressed boys. Because a lot of the boys being raised by the girls and the girls we call to our boys. And, the, and, and our little girls, we they grow up and nine times out of ten, the little girl don't get along with her mother or whatever the case is. She don't know her father, so she really don't have nobody to talk to. The boy can always go to his mom because his mom ain't going to never kick him out no matter how many babies he has, no matter what he do. Mom will always have his back, and that's just that. You know what I'm saying? And we have people grow up, and then they have kids, and then they don't raise the kids. You know what I'm saying? Because of the way they were brought up or how they were called or what they weren't taught and not understanding the signs of depression or stress or whatever that is and being able to go get help for that to avoid it from shrinking or spiraling out of control. You know what I'm saying? Like going, becoming a generational curse basically because that's what it is. It's a big generational curse that has to be broken and it can only be broken by starting in the home. And the only way it can start in the home is if we start communicating again within the home. And, and I mean, becoming educated because I can personally say, if I bought you my son and dropped my son off to you right now, you would never think that my son was raised the way he was raised before I got home. 
course. Like, like you would never think that. Like, literally. Not saying that it, he was raised bad, like he was right, neglected right, 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 or anything, right. right? But he was put in an environment that, 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 that breeds failure, mm -hmm. right? Man, I had to point out to my son the other day, literally, and I swear it's an honor score. I said, Emma, you know you've been on honor rolls since you've been in high school? He's been with me since he been in high school. Like, his last little bit of time in middle school, he's in 11th grade now. He's been on honor roll since he started high school. He's like, no. It's so common to him he don't even recognize mm -hmm. For the kid who don't make honor all the time, not make honor roll, it's something different. It's right, right, right for him. Yeah. It's just like, this is what I do. Like, and I get pissed off if I see a C. Like, no, nah, we don't do this right. around here. You know what I'm saying? I had some people like, man, you too hard on, man. It ain't nothing but one C. I was like, man, stay out of my business. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got on a roll and literally lost my mind. Yeah, so. I didn't get it until my 12th grade year. So. And I got it one. And the fact that you say you're a little it's like normal. Yeah, it's normal. It's normal. He get Magnum, Magnum Kulade or whatever. They do it like that with his school, whatever. But that just goes to show you when I say breaking generational curses, right? Like, he won't even go around it. And he's not even far. Like he's he went around here one time. I took his cell phone and I came home and he wasn't in the house, right? So I, I kind of like started getting nervous because yeah. he's not the kid to venture out, right? right? Yeah. He, he's a nerd, right? Like oh, what my little nerd at? Like and I took his phone, so I'm looking. So I ain't gonna call his mother at the time and say, "Have you seen him?" So I called her. She hit the alarm. Man, you didn't lost him. I'm like, look, man, I ain't lose the damn boy. Like he left out. He went somewhere. So I'm driving around looking for him. So now I'm, I'm starting to get paranoid. I parked the car. I'm sitting in the car. I'm, I'm starting to worry a little bit. I'm like, man, man, my man has stumbled on somewhere without a cell phone, right? But he comes walking back up to the house. So I said, where the fuck you was there? I just went around there and see my friend. I said, man, he, I don't think he never been back around there until that situation. He never been back around there until they had like the memorial thing, right? right? He never been back around. And then I, I tell him he can't go around it. He, just, he just choose like he be like I used to even see it sometimes. I I I seen generational curse brick with him. Even sometimes I used to pull up and he might see his brother and come out there. Mm -hmm. And I and you know me, I'm very respectful. I stop. Man, your brother, why don't you uh, uh, You be all right, hey. <laughs> hey, what's up with you, Joe? Nothing. I pick up on his body when right? you like you ready to go? Yeah. I think that's so dope. Like, like two, three minutes, like I'm out of here. Like I'm out of here. You feel what I'm saying? Because I'm showing them something different. And I also took them to the point and set them down and say, man, how do you think that we live? What what scale do you think we you fall with? He said we middle class. So I was like cool. I was like, okay, cool. I was like, so why we ain't like high class? He's like, well, we go on a few trips every now and then. <laughs> we, you know, a few dollars, but nigga, you ain't balling for right. real. Like, well, you like, but it was just me, and, and I don't do nothing extra. Y'all follow me on social media. I don't do nothing extra. I do all basic shit. Cook some food, run his room, talk to him, talk trash. Majority of us talking trash to him. I don't do nothing outside of that for real. When we go on little trips and stuff, and we take him out to go eat and get exposure to different restaurants, even yeah, the Cheesecake yeah, Factory, just yeah. just basic stuff, right? But I just noticed that I broke a curse because I seen the result of his two older brothers, yeah. right? And they pretty much followed the same path. Right. You feel what right. I'm saying? They pretty much followed the same path to a degree. I so. feel like I was blessed in the matter of having been a single mother and been raising my son in the environment that I did and going through what I went through. 
because um, my son could have done a lot worse. I don't have to look for him. I don't have to worry about when I, even when he was little, I could send him anywhere. He's going to fit in. He gets along with everybody. He don't pick on people and single people out. When you're different, it kind of draws him to you. Like, he's a little, little nerd, like Kanye is. And it's so funny because I always look at me and my friend's kids. And I'm like, dang, we, our kids do not reflect us. Like, we just bad as shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're nothing like us. And it's weird. They speak proper. They all. all of that. So, but another thing that I have always been with my son is like open and very verbal. Because he is around when I go through all my manic moments, all my deep depression. He's there. So I'm always very vocal with him. I always let him know that even though I'm your mother, it don't give me the right to speak to you any way I want to. If I'm saying or doing something that you feel like is wrong and you can't say it to me, tell your grandmother, tell your aunt, tell somebody that's going to check me. Because just because I'm your mother does not give me the right to do what I want to do. And secondly, I deal with depression. I need you to understand what that is. I mean, I educate him on what his father's dealing with so he's fully aware before he was uncomfortable to be around him. Once we figured out what was wrong, he was more willing to be around him because he understood what the outbursts were. Mm -hmm. He understood what the little, you know, so it wasn't like what's wrong with him. Now I know what's wrong with him. Now I can figure out how to deal with him. And with me, I just let him know when I'm going through my moments, like, look, I know I did this with you when you was little, but it wasn't always right because I was sick. You know what I'm saying? I was dealing with this. I was going through this. So this is not how we need to be. We need to do this. We need to operate this way. And I know that he listens and he's open because he has a friend that deals with depression. And he, you know, hit me, texted me one day. He was like, Mom, I need to talk to you when you get home. Got home and he was just like, you know, one of his friends was thinking about committing suicide. And he said the only reason why he didn't do it because he was able to get through to my son and the other young man. So they was, you know, kind of just on the phone with the boy all day. He's like, I just want to ask you, how can I talk to him when he go through stuff like this? How can I? And it made me feel good because he was comfortable enough to come to me and talk to me about that. And that's that open line of communication. That's, in, that's important when dealing with mental health. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? That's very important. Like, even the fact that you give him that type of respect. Because everything I say to my son is like, hey, excuse me, can you come out? I swear to God, that's how I'm talking to him. I'm like, Hey, you think you can come out and wash these dishes for me, please? Did you left in the sink? And he'd be like, all right. And he'd come out there. And guess what? When I hear him finish while I walk in the kitchen, thank he you. might be in his room. I'd be like, hey, I appreciate that. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's you know, we grew up kind of like, yeah, man, what I say is what I say. Yeah, like, don't really, you better not say on, nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you be like, uh -huh. man, you look like, back in hindsight. Man, our parents disrespected the shit out of us, man. My brothers was disrespectful and she was no Yeah, man, go be, hey, hey, come in real quick. Hey, run downstairs and give me a, a Pepsi out there, John, and bring me a glass of ice. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go get my cigarettes. Go get my cigarettes. Did you have kids for a butler? Did you have kids for a butler? Like, man. Go ask Mr. Chucky, can he play yeah, my number? You want me go ask Mr. Chucky, can he play your number? Like, so I, and, the, and look what the condition. It started me like, oh, so I get the old thing to play your numbers for you boom 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 at 10 so it's like dollar box dollar street da 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 whatever which only led to me once I got from the, at that point I'm 10 11 12 so when I get to 16 17 what you think I'm telling Mr. Chuck you hey Mr. Chuck you go buy yeah, this tangle right <laughs> because now it's this is what all the older people did you know mm. and I don't I'm not I, I know like my mom was super like strict and forceful. I had I had the house that like all my cousins no we ain't spending the night over there. Like no we ain't staying over there because 
but she still had no, the her values wasn't beyond oh she gonna keep the house clean you ain't gonna waste nothing mm -hmm. plastic on the thing all of that but she didn't know anything else except for value city jewelry department and a cna at a nursing home so i work these two jobs i do this i do that and the only thing she was instilling in me my sister and my brothers y'all should try to get a job for the city or the county for the good benefits like that was the only thing but it's like Man, you worked all these jobs. I've never seen you on a real vacation. I've never seen you be able to take a break. I've never seen you be able to do anything really for you. You're, you're, so you're, you're, bingo. and playing Keno at the gas station. And it's just like, you deserve so much more than that. I seen this guy speak one time. He said he was one of 11 children. And he said, I watched my mother raise 11 of us. But how come 11 of us can't take care of one mother in her older age? So when I look back at it now, I'm like, dang, like, though we had that trials and tribulations, ups and downs with me and my sister and brother being against the guy she married and all of these things, it's like, She's okay. but we, yeah, she took care of us. But right now, could we tell her, yo, you ain't never got to work in, you ain't got to do nothing else, whatever, whatever, whatever. So that's been like part of my effort. And my thing that like I give because my older brother had a had a stroke about seven years ago, six I years didn't ago. Yup, Reese haven't walked. I didn't know that. And he's in a wheelchair for like the last. Wow. And he did and like my brother only forty three, so it's just like man, he's been in a wheelchair since yeah. like thirty seven. Yeah. Like, and I'm coming up on that age in a few years, so it's like dang, yo, like. And then my sister moved away, and. We see life differently. It's like it's crazy how you could be raised in the same house with the same woman. And when my sister would tell me how she viewed the reality of Al coming up, I didn't see it like that. Like what mommy was doing. But for her, you know, my sister, this is her third time being married. And the idea of feeling like the needing of a man or wanting a man or whatever, whatever, and it's like this guy you married don't seem like your type. This guy really don't seem like I don't know what this is. But I start feeling tight because I got a niece and nephew in this situation who my sister is dragging over that. And I'm like, it's it's burning me up. But then I gotta understand like that's a well, addiction. Yeah, look at me being mad at you for your choices. Mm -hmm. This just mommy all over again, but different because we were mad when mommy decided to marry him. Yeah. And he was getting he was a crackhead, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. But but now yeah, it's like, it's but she cycle. embodied that thing that my mother had. I'm gonna do what I want. I don't right. care what y'all think. And it's like, wow. And, and when you look at your mother's situation, how you say the guy got himself together in the long run, and basically the happily ever after story, right? right? right. Some people believe that that could be their story. And then lose it though, that. because no. because he got because she stuck outside. He got himself together, but then he he started feeling himself. Okay. So like. He, he's they moved away. He sent my mom back here, like, yeah, go find a house. I'm gonna retire here because he's military dude. Uh, Yo, it was like my mama, like, at this time, probably like 43, she getting messages and emails from 22, 24 year old women talking about, yeah, I'm at your house with your husband. Like, whoa, you sitting here, we playing Nintendo Wii. Like, somebody <laughs> told my mama they playing Nintendo Wii with her husband. Like, but her resilience of, to this day, she like, if you ever see him, still speak to him, still, you know, yeah. I don't got no hard feelings. My I don't, but I, in my mind, I'm like, 
Well, you know, you accept life because yeah. everything comes to an end of your life itself. I believe that everything is going to end. My, I got a partner who always posts. He be ranting like hell on Instagram. My partner, mm -hmm. he say, "Man, everything you got will belong to somebody else." Mm. And you know, as he posted, he posted it periodically. First, I was like, "He go whooping again," because he's a whooper. He be whooping his <laughs> ass on this. My heart though, right? And we be joining all day, but. The, the, the catch to it is when I really analyzed it as he continued to say it, then he started going a little bit more detail. Somebody gonna own your house when you leave this earth. Somebody gonna own your car or you gonna get rid of it. Your clothes, you gonna donate them or you gonna throw them away or you gonna give them away. Man, your woman, your spouse is mm -hmm. gonna move on and be yeah. with somebody else if you die to hell tomorrow or if y'all separate because y'all, yeah. everything you own will, or, or everything that, that you have will, Belong to somebody. These phones, they get old. We train them at. They refurbish them. They sell them. Whatever they do, right? Use them for parts. They will belong to somebody else. So once you get that concept, right, you can become more receptive to the things that your mother was saying. Like, like it is what it is. You know, the initial pain, of course, of anything, the shock is, is what hurts the most. But I think that when we really analyzed it, man, listen, we came in this life with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing, mm -hmm. right? Everybody hole is gonna be the same size. I don't care how much money you have. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Bill Gates hole or, or tomb gonna be in the same cemetery with mine. It, it, it ain't gonna be no separation. He ain't gonna have no fence around his and mine. Our junk gonna be side by side if I'm lucky to lay beside him. If that's an open plot, right? So you know when you look at things like that, like everything must come to an end, even life itself. So. Everything in between life coming to an end, when something comes to an end before that final end, learn how to deal with it. Yeah. So, you guys, we're going to wrap this up. I think we went on for a nice amount of time. I feel like we had an excellent conversation today. Um, we definitely got to some good points on depression and basically how can we fix our black family households. Um, Education. I want you, yeah, education. Education is important, most important. Research. I, uh, in your pocket, like my man said. Okay. So I want you guys to kind of tell them how they can find you. I'm going to start with you, Kojo, and we're going to go ahead and move around the room. Tell them how you can find you, and then we're going to wrap this up. Well, you can uh, follow me everywhere at KOJO440. Like I told you on the interview, when uh, as we spoke, uh, everything that I do kind of right now surface around my friend who uh, committed suicide. So 440, KOJO440 is the uh, Instagram. Uh, Kojo Snowden is the Facebook, Twitter is KOJO440. Um, and I have a website, kojosnowden.com. Which uh, or Kojo 440, they both go there, Kojo440.com. Um, um, and it has like my schedule as far as speaking engagements, performances, and uh, just everything I got going on. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. uh, for myself, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Helping Others with Life. Uh, my website is howdmv.com h-o-w-l-d-m-v.com I'm on Facebook as c.b.king I think I, I, yes. don't give me the line somebody <laughs> made this page up for me when I first came home I was not technology <laughs> uh, and it, it might I mean like I'm on both of those you know I'm on Instagram also booby 617 I mean I'm always available uh, I try not to say no I think next month 
it's gonna be a lot of no's. Don't be mad with me. <laughs> I said a lot of yes for March. <laughs> so like April is gonna be probably some no's, but if you, if you wanna reach out, you know, you wanna try to build something, collaborate, or if I can assist you in any form or fashion, just hit me up and I, I see what I can do. Uh, my my personal IG ain't nothing to follow. I don't really post nothing, but uh, organizationally, you can follow us at at the Green Scheme at T H E G R E E N S C H E M E. I know a lot of y'all don't know how to spell scheme, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you could you can kind of like follow the website greenscheme.org, see everything we got going on. Okay, so, well, you guys know how you can find me. I'm Ison on Facebook, I-C-I-S-Y-N. You can follow Let's Talk Adult because that's where this will be posted at. You can find it on all your major uh, podcast platforms. And you can also follow L-T-A-I-N Radio on Facebook, which is Let's Talk About It Now, Saving Our Children. Um, Thanks again, you guys, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And, yeah, that's it. Yeah.